Oh, how's your guys' weekend been so far? Good. Good. Yeah, pretty pretty dope. Did some uh, tree work, ground groundwork for um, uh, my buddies uh, Christian and Andrew, who were uh, lopping some tall and diseased trees in their property. Hmm, nice. Or specifically Christian's property. But it's the first time that I've uh, run a chipper. Have you ever run a chipper? No. So it, it, it's on the bucket list. It is so strange. I don't ever want to be within five feet of a chipper. <laughs> it's it's one of these things that like, it's, it's you, you know, like, have you ever been at the edge of a tall building and found yourself compulsed to look over and like imagine what it would be like to like fall off of it? Oh, yeah. yeah Real call call, of, the, call of the void. Yeah. Yeah. The call of the void. Well, the chipper is like has a funnel toward like this sharp toothed wheel thing that is on like a, a spring and it just eats anything that it touches <laughs> and it just pulls call, it. Call of the chipper. Tr- yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to see what it'd be like. <laughs> it's pretty much like impossible for me to feed that thing and not imagine it just like turning my leg or arm into like a, you know, mist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Very good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was intended as a, like a lead in into my bit but it hasn't it has gone very differently than i anticipated i want that bit though <laughs> i had a you. crazy weekend <laughs> yeah yeah friday afternoon do? i'm just sitting around hanging out you know having a beer enjoying the end of the work week and all of a sudden my windows are shattered inward. A SWAT team descends upon me and the cats, led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they say that they have evidence from my private signal chats that I criticized the House Representative AOC, and now they're taking me to the gulags. It was Holy wild. Shit. Wow. It was wild. I must have yeah. been in the bathroom because I missed that. You did. Yeah, you were in the yeah, bathroom. I was in the bathroom. Okay. How'd you escape? <laughs> Uh, with uh, karate, actually, I've been taking karate on. I haven't told you guys this, but um, it's yeah, I've been taking karate. karate. Kar- yes, that's correct. Karate. I'm a, I'm a purple belt, so um, oh hell yeah! I just showed them my purple belt, and they were sufficiently <laughs> intimidated that they decided. Uh, and I started screaming about my freeze peach and how I'm allowed to criticize anybody I want. And um, yeah, and then they left. That's the good. way George Washington intended. Fuck yeah. So I am I am referring to this California podcaster. Disgusting. Who is um no, I mean solidarity with podcasters, but like apparently the cops came to his house uh for <laughs> after he had made some vague remarks about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Israel Palestine. And um so then he tweets about it and he's like you know, very upset. Obviously, like the cop showed up at his house for a tweet. I get it. So he tweets about it. And now the entire Internet started behaving, you know, the like the like crazed, like, like, you know, anti AOC leftists and started oh, yeah. basically saying that like Alexandria Ocasio and it was the Capitol Police, by the way. So that was also discern- um concerning. Oh, yeah. But started saying that like she had personally somehow managed to get the cops to she like raid this guy's house, which is not like what happened. Yeah. Um, and now the Capitol Police have just come out saying that it was not about a tweet about Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know what the tweet was about, but I just saw it. The I cops roll up and they're like, my... you better watch what you say or we might satire you. 
<laughs> my parody you, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh God! Well, that's that's dystopian fucked up. Yeah, it's weird. The whole thing is very strange. Um, this like fervor that people. I don't know. I mean. I understand why leftists are pissed off at AOC. I get it. I totally get it. But, like, it's starting to get to this weird, like, fever pitch that makes me very uncomfortable. Like, I think we all just need to relax a little bit more. She's a House representative. That's She's she's a politician doing politician stuff. Yeah, um, you, you have Democrat. to control her. Like, you have to force what? her to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, you have to force her to do stuff. Like, she's a rep oh, now. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you have to... You mean, like... Yeah, like... Okay, let's... Let's maybe... Let's start, let's start over. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was just going to make a joke about saying that you have to force Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, like you don't want. Yeah, you, you don't want the Capitol Police uh, kicking in your door. Watch your mouth. You have yeah. to encourage her to do stuff passionately. <laughs> the Corning Tower said, "New York Touch." Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, he's like, so for those of you that don't. Uh, don't have the pleasure of living in Albany. Corning Tower, the largest building outside New York City in New York State, uh, is the uh, the building that the governor uh, governor's office lives in. Uh, and uh, um, the house that ZD made. Yeah, the house that ZD made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, the irony is that the that it's named after uh, the mayor of Albany that was against the plaza that it is a part of, but then um, very suddenly uh, became very uh, pro-plaza after a conversation with Nelson Rockefeller. So, nice. yeah, house that ZD made. Um, and it's and it's this, like, very modern building that it, all, the, all the lights are in a grid pattern, so you can actually, like, make pixel, pixel art. art. Yeah, like, on the building. So if, ever since this goddamn pandemic, where like no one actually works in that building, they've just used it as like a giant light, right? And it says, yeah. it says New York Tough on it with a big heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess like it must be only like a half a dozen uh, uh, lights are out or something. I think it's only two actually. Yeah, it's so, like they 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 took the G and turned it into a C. Yeah. So instead, New York Touch. I don't think that's an accident. I think New it's. <laughs> I think it's it's a little ridiculous that that could possibly be an accident. Yeah, there's some brave soul who's responsible for like running those stupid lights. It's just like, hmm. Yeah. Tough, tough touch. That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, oh. as the Times Union puts it, it's an odd typo considering the groping and sexual harassment allegations. <laughs> Leveled against Governor Andrew Cuomo. Like, yes, thank you, Times Union, for yeah, making an that odd typo. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, what a coincidence! I don't know. Yeah. That sounds so. Whoever you are, you brave, you brave soul. You get thank a you year's for putting free out those of late. Iron Weeds Premium. Yeah, oh, DM yeah. me. I'll send you the RSS feed. <laughs> I love it. I love how the Times Union's like, get it? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Get, get it. <laughs> Touch. So we got a lot of we got we got a lot of shit to talk about today. I suppose um, mostly u- unions and cops, kind of two like mainstays of Ironweeds uh, topics. Yeah, right? 
Absolutely. World keeps spinning. Uh, we got a we got a story of a of a, a good good unions and then bad unions. <laughs> the dialect. A tale a tale of two unions. Yeah. So sadly, the uh, the Amazon unionization effort in Bess- Bessemer, Alabama, failed as you guys saw by like mm-hmm. a lot. It was like oh, yeah. seven hundred to seventeen hundred. Yes. I mean, a, a a massive failure and not not fun. No, yeah. I mean, you know, like it was pretty in. Like I'm choosing to not get too bummed out about this uh, for a bunch of reasons. One is that this was the first time in my memory um, that Amazon was actually like running scared yeah. and putting mm-hmm. a ton of effort into like uh, PSYOP campaigns where it was like Cheryl from Amazon on Twitter being like, we never pee in bottles. In fact, like <laughs> fuck a union. Like I'm not paying anybody my dues. I'm not already not making enough uh, to get by. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually making a lot. Like Amazon treats me really well. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's like the the you know the knots they have to twist themselves into in these anti-union PR stunts is like really fascinating because it's like no, we get paid super well and our benefits are really great and also like you know we can't afford to pay dues and like the only argument that Amazon or any union buster for that matter can make against a union aside from the dues is that but you already have it so good, which means like the union's not going to make it worse for like the union's not going to advocate for your pay to decrease or your health insurance to get shittier. So it's like, you know, it's always kind of a nonsensical argument. And also Alabama, it you know, legally you can't force union members to pay dues. Like, so even the argument that you would have to pay dues to be a member of the union is in is factually incorrect which is also another problem <laughs> i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it is but 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 yeah it's like uh i'm trying to put myself in amazon's shoes and trying to like think of how i would convince you know workers who were like working in incredibly dangerous rushed uh low paying stressful positions uh to not organize and i'd be like um all right, you know bosses, right? You hate your boss, right? What, you want another boss? You want a union boss? Yeah, I mean, that was literally the argument they had in some of their literature that was that was uh, hung up around the place. And also this weird, like, <laughs> I can only call it like a parasocial relationship with your boss, where it's like, but we're your family. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is your money daddy. Like, he takes <laughs> care of you. He's it's your big hairless that- friend. like for for pr reasons amazon is dissociating itself away from jeff bezos which is fucking crazy like imagine that like they're like this guy is so like evilly rich that we don't want to associate our company and brand with this megalomaniacal like you know billionaire like fucking lizard man eating another lizard (laughs) (laughs) he's always being photographed in the process of eating another lizard man. Yeah, I was, a I was smaller, to, less wealthy one. Yeah, I was listening <laughs> to Reuters News, and the first article that they had was the defeat of the union uh, vote and what type of implications it means for, you know, organized labor. And, like, you know, it continues on, like, a 30-year trend of, like, people, you know, opting out or, you know, or 
30-year trend of like uh, downsizing the union representation in the United States and stuff. Um, and then the, the next article was about how Amazon stock jumped because of the defeat of the union. And it's like, yeah. And, and all these people are like, these investors were like super fucking pumped and they're like, up, 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 profits at an all time high. Like, this is fucking great for the American economy. We're ready to bang the, you know, like 401ks have never been better and everything else. And it's like, God damn, this fucked up system. We're yeah. like, yeah, everybody's tied into it. You know, like everyone who has a 401k is complicit in union busting, you know, <laughs> like that the idea of corporate profits being at an all time high is stolen wages from the workers of those corporations. And everybody like, you know, that that's somehow a good thing because like we're all somehow invested into it. At least people with, you know, a retirement like savings account. I don't know. It's so fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, the the private uh, uh, the privatization of social safety nets is like yeah, like that's not like a a nice uh, feature, like secondary feature of the privatization process, right? Like it's it it is a it's it's a huge part of it. The idea that you could um, get you know your 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 grandma, your 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 and papa who like are are proletarians right like they they don't they don't own enough to to really like care about the asset management of global wealth but now between that and the price of their house that they hope to borrow against to fund their retirement right like all of your retirements are are basically pointed toward stuff that republicans want and benefit much much more from at the expense of people who who do the work, it really really sucks. The um, uh, uh, there's a Financial Times article that is uh that is pretty good on this that that shows kind of where we're at in the process of uh of unionizing. Um, where yet yeah, that was you know like obviously that was uh the the vote failed, but um. There are still some more things that that can that can happen. Uh, quote: uh, Despite the union's loss, the battle could still drag out for many months. The appeal will first be heard by a local office of the National Labor Relations Board, and could ultimately end up being decided by the agency's politically appointed board members in Washington. Uh, and it's conce- which have been some pretty pro- heavy pro labor appointments on Biden's part. Yeah, yeah. It's conceivable that by the time it got to the full NL- NLRB board, it could have a Democratic majority. Uh, uh, because that I'll, I'd be surprised about. Well, uh, um, the ter- uh, 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 the Republican appointee uh, on their, their their term ends in August. So mm, okay, uh, and then and then the president appoints a new one. The big sticking point for this is this fucking box that they hung out. Like this is a huge part of their legal challenge, right? Is Amazon, the management had a box, an unmarked box hung outside the facility that was intended or, you know, whatever intention, who knows. But like it gave employees the impression that Amazon management would be counting the ballots, which is not how that works and not what was going to happen. But it was like Mm -hmm. strategically placed so that workers, when casting their ballot, thought that it would be counted by management. Which has been like a big part of the legal the legal challenge. Yeah, the the retail, wholesale, and department store union that's organizing the Bessemer uh, facility um, 
uh, I, I think they did like a foil request or they, uh, in any case, they, they found out that um, emails attain, attained by the RWDSU appeared to show Amazon had put pressure on the U.S. Postal Service to install the box before voting began. And it has since been removed. Uh, yeah, there's like there's like just a ton of stuff that makes this seem very, very uh, well, it's, it's union busting. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's union busting. Yeah, yeah the literature telling yeah. members that they would have to pay dues as part of the as part of their membership, which is not true. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, I but heard you some know, interviews where people were saying that like they were so heavily surveilled that they already felt like management knew what way they were going to vote before they even voted, and that they were like you know basically self policing like it, their own you know behavior because they didn't want to uh, be fired for voting for a union. Yeah, and they, yeah. like. And it was a widespread belief that there would be retaliation. Um, and uh, I, all I have to say is that Neuralink will fix this because when <laughs> we all have the chip in our brain, um, then it, there won't be any question as to whether or not, you know, um, the, our bosses know our thoughts. I don't like it. Do. I don't like watching that little that little primate play pong. I didn't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's a really it's, right. it's a really interesting thing. You know, it's like. The advances of cybernetics and transhuman technology um, offer so much quality of life and improvements for people who are like paralyzed, for example. Sure, like imagine yeah. if you were paralyzed and you could use a smartphone faster than somebody with thumbs. Yeah. Because, you know, like that's fucking amazing, right? It is, but just yeah. like the implications of it uh, socially uh, and even like personally are like, so vast and crazy like we're in you know we're entering a brave new world of cybernetics and transhuman you know uh experimentation and like it's disturbing to say the least i mean one of the things to me is like there are so many barriers to making that technology usable for people with like um extreme like disabilities that that would that that technology would help them like like the way that they programmed the neural link in the primate that they got it to work with was through the animal be and i don't remember what kind of primate it was which is why i'm calling it a primate the animal had to train neural link first using its hands mm-hmm. to manipulate mm-hmm. the controls mm-hmm. so with somebody who has like complete paralysis who would mm-hmm. be you the purpose of the neural link would be to allow them to do things that their body can't physically do Mm-hmm. Like all I'm saying is, it's a lot more fucking likely that that technology is going to be used to like surveil and oppress long before it gets in the hands of anybody who could actually benefit from it, because mm-hmm. the challenges to making it to making that leap are so huge. Mount yeah. my body onto a Boston Dynamics dog. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I that mean, sounds like, really fun. <laughs> the, the, the the whole thing um, comes from you know the sort of fuzzy logic uh, self programming of AI, which is to say like. You, your brain is super fucking complex and it's doing like all this stuff in parallel. Speak like, for all yourself. Neuro- <laughs> 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 all these neural connections are just like sparking off and like to try to decode it uh, through, you know, uh, an analytical approach um, is, or like a, you know, foundational like theoretical approach is like basically something science has like given up on. They just look at it from an empirical approach, which is to say like they say, move the cursor left. And then they just watch what your brain does. And then they record like a fuck ton of data. They're like, oh, okay, do that again. They they do that like 40 times. And then the like self-learning algorithm is like, uh, these are somewhat like it does like crazy pattern recognition. And it figures out like, oh, okay, like, you know, the thing that was consistent in the neural 
explosion of like these billion neurons, like, uh, you know, every time was something like this maybe. And then it just, you know, hones in, in that way. Um, and so I think like the, yeah, it's the same way Google, like a Google search algorithm works. Everybody who searched like 90% of people who searched this, they clicked on this thing that now that goes up the top. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you gave them a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that goes at the top. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, I think what Brittany is saying is that, and, and this is you know been a long uh, saw of like, or you know, like a, a long standing criticism of like STS is that you know, like when, especially in the United States, where the uh, engine of of productivity and uh, uh, innovation is in the military industrial complex, then like everything that you build has buried in it some sort of martial uh uh capitalist colonialist expansionist like 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 ethos to it so it's like it's good at that and then you have to shoehorn in like some sort of life-sustaining properties to it right well they they, it's sold as it's like marketed to the public as you know a technology that will help people who are paralyzed or people who have other like you know inabilities to to maneuver their bodies in ways that this technology would help and that's how that sells everybody on it it's like wow what a great thing but then its first implementation is as david said part of this like capitalist militarized oh, yeah. uh, economy so well, they, that you, was, yeah yeah you're exactly right like yeah. technology is developed primarily for command and control uh improvement so militaristic applications and then it's commercialized for public benefit quote unquote but only if it's a source of capital accumulative profit. Yeah. yeah. Like, like if you could, for example, turn some type of, I don't know, genetic uh, programming thing into a miracle machine that just like takes care of all of the needs of uh, everybody in, in a neighborhood, for example, you wouldn't do that because that would keep those people from needing to work at your factory. It would keep those people from needing to buy your fucking schlocky bullshit. It would keep those people from needing to live under your command and control authority. And so, like, yeah, like, if there's going to be a, a, a beneficent utilization of technology, it's, you know, I don't know, it, it has to come outside of the profit uh, motive. Because, you know, like, they're going to enable um, uh, people who are physically disabled to, like, search, you know, the internet. But then there's going to be mental pop-up ads. Like there's gonna yeah. be, <laughs> there's like gonna my, be just my, inside your brain, non-skippable. Oh man, I forgot to pay my Amazon Prime subscription. And now my legs don't work. Yeah, and in the same oh, way, like God, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> and in the same way that like Facebook is all about like keeping engagement, right? So that they can continue to serve you ads, they can continue to harvest your data, and they do that by like serving you up content that like makes you mad or like anxious or depressed. Like once they're in your brain, they're just going to make you anxious and depressed and mad without content. Like they're just going to like fucking start manipulating your fucking psychological state to whatever allows them to gain some type of advantage off of you until until you walk into the amazon fulfillment center and then you feel unrequited joy which is by basically (laughs) recreating the brain chemistry that happens at the moment you inject heroin and you're just like like, damn i want to work for amazon now yeah (laughs) and then you're just like wow i love the amazon fulfillment center i love my my big hairless dad money dad 
Jeff Bezos because he eats all the tinier lizard men. <laughs> Another example of uh, limiting individual uh, people from being able to utilize technology for their own ends, um, but allowing for profitable corporations to do the exact same thing. Have you guys seen what Biden's going to be doing about the gun violence epidemic in America? I haven't been following that. No. Isn't it a tax or something? He's getting rid of ghost guns. You know, the ones that shoot ectoplasm? Oh, yeah, good. All right. You know, yeah. the ones that, you know, like... I don't want to are... shoot ghosts. Or I don't want ghosts to shoot me because I can't even see the ghost. So I, I'm not going to see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> so so ghost guns are just guns without registration numbers. Uh, and I think, like, since fucking the original constitutional Second Amendment protections, like, you've always in America been able to make guns yourself. And that's totally fine. Like, basically, like, any gun that's legal to own, you can make. And now, um, instead of targeting handguns and pistols, which is, like, what accounts for 90% of the violence in America uh, in terms of gun violence, um, he's targeting ghost guns, which is the 3D printed tech uh, that, you know, we were talking about earlier and how, you know, it's very interesting and scary to some and liberating to others that is rapidly developing. But now that's going to likely be federally banned. In terms of if you make your own gun, it'll suddenly be a felony. Even if you can go to the store and buy the same fucking gun from like, you know, um, some big corporation or whatever, they're not going to stop the corporations from being able to make guns. They're going to stop you from being able to make your own. And that's supposedly going to stop our widespread gun violence, even though I don't know of a single shooting that has involved a 3D printed or homemade gun. That sounds like a, a way that that Biden would. That sounds like the gun industry coming up with legislation to make people feel like something's being done about guns. Yeah, I think we <laughs> that that's like yeah. that's like Cuomo <laughs> banning vape juice or something. Yeah. Like that's a really <laughs> weird. Oh god. So so just getting back to unions. Um, I think in this whole conversation we've actually missed a really important population of Americans who benefit from union busting. And that is women. Mm, yes. Women are the, the primary beneficiaries of uh, unions being defeated. I don't because, know if you guys knew this or not. Well, yeah, because, I, this, well, because the, union, the union gets in the way of your uterus, right? Well, not all women have uteruses, first of all. So well, I said your about, uterus. Well, yeah, mine specific. Yeah, my, yeah. my <laughs> uterus specifically, yes. <laughs> Pesky so unions. This is, this is an article in The Hill. And, like, I don't know... Like, was The Hill always this bad? I don't I don't know. I don't remember it being this terrible. But the, the, the title of this article is Big Labor Efforts Threaten Choices and Freedoms for Working Women. And I was thinking, if you guys don't object, I'm just, it's not very long. I'm just going to read this. And yeah, we please. Could, we can go. We could talk about it as we go. But the, 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 the author, um, uh, Patrice Onwuka, is the director of the Center for Economic Opportunity at the Independent Women's Forum. Yes, so, so the Independent Women's Forum is like great. just a right wing think tank that for like <laughs> for I I'd be sh I haven't looked up the the like leadership of it. I would be shocked if it was like all women running it. But I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. There are plenty of fucking chud ladies out there too. One year, ladies, into you the can be chuds too. Brush your shoulders, huh? <laughs> <off. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. 
So, uh, okay, I'm just going to read it. I'm just yeah, going to read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. One year into the global pandemic, service industry workers' ongoing hardship exposes economic disparities in our labor force. Uh-huh, yeah. Sure. A ramped-up vaccination effort and warmer weather months hold great promise for accelerating employment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. fucking. Mm-hmm. However, and fucking. <laughs> Birds, bees, and all. However, efforts by organized labor to boost its power could stymie that growth. Oh, no. We need opportunities, especially flexible work, that put women and workers in control of their time and earnings instead of union bosses. So right off the bat here, we're going to have to go and say, so so unions stymie flexible work. Are the unions specifically like saying, no, you must work nine to five? I mean, like, okay. Well, yeah, no, otherwise think, the, the, it, the cigar-chomping union boss doesn't uh, uh, get your, I don't know. I don't know how their brains work. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Also, I, I, I like women and workers, as if women aren't workers. I don't, yeah. They do that all throughout yeah. this this article, and I don't really understand it. So the pandemic significantly erased women's gains in the work in the labor force. Some 2.3 million women dropped out of the workforce since the start of the pandemic, including 1.5 million mothers of school-aged children. Women suffered some of the heaviest losses, such as the 80% of the workers who left the workforce in January. So all good points, right? Like this is yep. I yeah, there's no denying economic effect. Yeah. There are two unsurprising reasons for these occurrences. First, women tend to be concentrated in the leisure and hospitality industry where employment took a nosedive because of pandemic closures, lockdowns and severe restrictions on dining, blah, blah, blah. Second, women shouldered more of the caregiving responsibilities, especially related to school and daycare closures. As devastating as the numbers are, they could have been worse had it not been for flexible opportunities, particularly in the gig economy. These opportunities allowed women to earn a living around caregiving and household duties. This, I, like, keep hammering this household duties thing. Like, no, you just split them. You just split them. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't. Uber Eats, DoorDash, Instacart, Amazon launched massive hiring sprees in the early days of the pandemic that drew many women to join their ranks. Seven out of 10 Instacart shoppers are women. Over half of Uber, Uber Eats and DoorDash drivers are female. I, so, And nearly half of Amazon employees identify as women. I don't know why they do this. First, the Instacart shoppers are women, the Uber Eats and DoorDash drivers are female, and the Amazon employees identify as women. They're just covering all their bases in case, you you know, you want, like, any of those categories are the ones that, you know. You think is appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, like, like that you identify with. It's like, oh, wow, like, I fit into that category. It could also be how those respective companies report their numbers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. also another and so they, and they, I so think they that's what it is, yeah. However, the company reports their numbers. But yeah, so Amazon so is. is clearly the most woke company. So they right. understand. Identify as women. Identify. So so women uh by and large losing, you know, stable like jobs with benefits and picking up precarious gig jobs is being spun as a good thing? Yeah, it's that good this for is women. like that this, you know, like is suddenly uh, like motorcycle season (laughs) uh yeah so why why is that a good thing so i'll tell you why 
Even before COVID-19 flexibility, even before COVID-19, flexibility was of utmost importance to women working in the gig economy. A majority prefer to be independent contractors, not employees of the companies that, that contract their services. This is very different from the narrative that organized labor, union-backed lawmakers, journalists, and activist groups are pushing. They characterize big tech companies like Uber and Amazon as plantations run by slave drivers exploiting the slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and there's scare quotes on all of those? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, no. Hold on. Just two things I've noticed. Yeah. One is that they're labeling like delivering uh, like Taco Bell to your door uh, through DoorDash as uh, like a caregiving role. Like, right? Is yeah. It, they're like caregiving. <laughs> like, yeah. deli- like food delivery. Your mommy brings your Taco Bell for you. <laughs> right. And 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 then the second thing is like, I I don't know. I, mean, I guess I'm just like stating the obvious here, or at least what should be the obvious, which is that like, there's nothing inherent to not getting worker protections that is like better for women. Like, there's nothing. It's like, oh, finally, I, I have the flexibility to like sell my labor for pennies instead of like you know have a. a a set schedule so that I know how much time I can spend with my family and like, I could get like paternity leave. Like that's not. Well, like you could have this flexibility (laughs) of picking your own hours with a union. Yeah. Like there's not any, like there's. My union is doing that. Like, like my union it like is constantly fighting to keep the work from home order in place in New York state because New York, New York State wants everyone to go back to work like in person as quick as possible so that they can constantly monitor us, right? It's like you want and like the union wants you to stay at home, one for uh uh for safety, but two, it's easier. Like like and you don't have more enjoyable. To, yeah, like it's it, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. The, the it's, it's, it a false, way, it's a false it's a false If if you're a gig worker, you're your own boss. And if you're in a union, you've got two bosses. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you can be your so own So that's a really good boss. point. I'm now against unions. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes on, nothing stirs Americans' emotions more than slavery analogies, no matter how wrong and inappropriate. The, the like, ham-fisted attempts in this article to cloak all of this in woke language is so fucking painful for me. Um... Opponents also describe independent contracting work through the gig economy as anti-worker, but there's nothing more pro-worker than controlling 100% of your labor, scheduling, and decision-making. Controlling 100% of your labor, schedule, and decision-making is not how I think most people would describe their gig jobs. Baby, Lucy is eating the shit out of your fern right now behind you. (laughs) Yeah, there's that, nothing, I'm guessing that's uh, not toxic to her, right? No, no, it's fine. Okay, good. All right, then then chomp away, Lucy. No. <sighs> there's nothing more pro-worker than externalizing all of the costs of doing business onto the workers. Yeah. There's nothing more pro-worker about making workers who are scraping by in a race to the bottom uh, economy uh, to have to pay uh, the highest tax rate that's available within the IRS. Yeah, like, 
And you don't get to control your like it is the exact opposite. You aren't controlling your labor as a gig worker. You are you are completely at the whims of forces more powerful than yourself. Like there's nothing more pro worker than having a algorithm uh, make you compete with your fellow workers with a button that says race to the bottom. And when you press it, (laughs) you get priority uh, pickups, but at a lower pay rate. There's nothing for, more for like two hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. We talked, that was a few episodes back that we talked about that new feature rollout, which I actually think they've since gotten rid of because it was just so fucking unpopular. But yeah, there right, was like independent- three or four, you know, fucking self immolations that were buried, you know, like in the news. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Independent contracting is an alternative to the employer employee model. That's a very nice way of putting it. Gig economy opponents uphold the outdated. Em- th- this part's funny. Gig economy opponents uphold the outdated employer employee model as the best option for workers, though, because, among other things, traditional employees can be more easily unionized. This idea of like these scheming unionizers who are just like, <laughs> no, we must keep them all as wage slaves so we can collect them for our unions like Pokemon cards. Like, I don't understand. Those delicious what- dues. Mm. <laughs> And it is like there are these kind of slightly like ever so slight anti-Semitic undertones with so much like anti-union discourse um, as, you know, there kind of always has been. But so freelancing is a wildly popular preference preference for 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 57 million Americans, almost half of whom are women. Now, when they say that they link to when they say 50, a wildly popular preference for 57 million Americans. They link to this, I'm going to be gracious and call it a study that was done by Upwork, which calls itself a freelancer's union. That is not what Upwork is. Upwork is Fiverr. Upwork is a rebranded version of Fiverr that like you have to pay. If you don't make enough, the less money you make on their platform, the more you pay them for the privilege of working for their platform. It's absolutely terrible. And they posted this thing. That was like, you know, basically just a, a, a statistical breakdown of who uses their service and like some opinions that they have. Nothing in it says that freelancing is a wildly popular preference. In fact, over half of their users say if they could make better pay in a traditional job, they would take it. <laughs> that is, of course, that is, of course, not how Upwork frames it. It's something no. like. Forty-one percent of our users say no amount of money could get them to go back to traditional. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. So more than half of your users would rather have a a traditional job that paid them more. Um, Wow, shocking. Uh, Okay, nearly half of freelancers have unique circumstances like health issues or caregiving that prevent them from working in a traditional job. Okay, those issues prevent them from working in a traditional job because the traditional jobs that aren't unionized make it harder for people who have those issues to work those jobs. Like, it's... No, it's so much easier to have a job where, like, if you get sick... You don't get paid, and uh, there, you don't have health insurance in the first place. Like and you it don't just have makes family it leave, and more and flexible. Yeah. That you just like, and that you don't even qualify for any of the state or federal programs that are supposed to provide you with assistance when you do get laid off, because you're not laid off. You're an entrepreneur that like can it. only sell their labor to one person. 
Yeah. This next yeah. sentence is a real joy, though. Independent contractors understand that they forego benefits and wage guarantees that employees enjoy, such as overtime, paid leave, and minimum wages. Yet they choose to be independent for other reasons. Yeah, just like homeless people choose to be homeless for other reasons. Look, they understand that they could have a working toilet and a sink and like a roof over their head. And yet... Some people, you know, the the outdoor lifestyle is for them. (laughs) Some people Uh, prefer the flexibility of shitting in a bucket. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? Why not? All right. Uh, We're getting towards the end here. Lawmakers should not take that choice away by enacting changes to labor laws. Congress certainly should not be in the business of choosing winners and losers among the worker classifications by prioritizing employees over independent. (laughs) 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 And this is all referring to, right, the uh, the PRO Act, Protecting the Right to Organize Act, which Biden is really pushing. And I think the Dems need like five more uh, five more votes to. Well, they would need that if they could pass it without. Uh, filibuster, which you know, yeah, but don't don't do. worry. They got a parliamentarian to stop them at the last minute, and you know, assuage uh, any guilt on any specific uh, lawmaker. You know, yeah. like yeah. So then it just goes on to bash the pro act, and you know, um, uh, talk how talk about how great prop how good it is that Prop Twenty Two wasn't passed, and blah blah blah. Oof. And then this is the final paragraph. Organized labor and activists view these workplace changes as threats. Therefore, they are pushing the PRO Act and corporate organizing drives such as this month's vote to make an Alabama Amazon warehouse the first in the nation to be unionized. Not every woman wants or can hold down a traditional job. There may also be good reasons that a woman chooses not to join a union. Women want freedom, flexibility, and choices in employment. Drawing them back into the workforce can help fuel a V-shaped recovery but that will depend on good policies and abundant opportunities, not doing organized labor's bidding. Daddy dearest, you're still number one. But girls, they want to have fun. They want to have fun. <laughs> uh, they want to drive around a car for $7.70 an hour. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the idea of uh, us collectively as a society. She, like heaving off bosses in full-time employment and having to like live in sort of a feudal relationship with a capitalist overlord, you know, in the sense of like having to be working 40 plus hours a week for the profit of other people. Like I'm all about that. Right. So the idea of like gig work, if it paid and there was a social safety net, like I understand the appeal, but the problem (laughs) is that, we won't get a social safety net unless we have organized labor to put a threat to corporate profits in the form of potentially withholding their labor value. That's the engine that drives a democratic society to being able to wrench um, uh, wins from the hands of the our capitalist overlords. So like, yeah. The unionization is critical. And if there was a way that gig economy workers could somehow be unionized, then like, sure, gig economy could work. You know, we could figure it out. Like we could hypothetically have the costs of the businesses that people are doing on these apps actually be sufficient to cover all the costs of 
you know, that are extended now to the direct workers themselves. But like the only way we're going to do that is if we are organized in a body that can like can win concessions, you know, without yeah. that, like we're fucked. Well, and here's the other thing that sort of like a cat, like a, uh, on the other side of that is that the nine to five 40 hour work week is a construct yeah. developed by labor. Like there's no re if we wanted to break that traditional employment model and say like, we don't want to work these constricting hours in this constricting space. Unions would be a really great vehicle for tearing that model apart. Getting maybe the only more- one. Definitely the only one. What other one is there? Congress? Like, yeah, exactly. What, there's like... no other mode for disrupting the traditional employment model than a union. And you don't have to be in a car for 12 hours a day to not like ha- to have employment outside of that traditional model. Like there's no reason that much of the rest of the work that society that, that workers do couldn't also be just as flexible as you know and i flexible in big scare quotes because gig economy is not it does not mean flexibility it means working whenever you can fit it in all the time like i've yeah. i've been a gig worker um yeah. it's a fucking it it means working 60 hours a week to just make up for what you would otherwise be getting in a traditional employment model you know hourly wages uh or even a salary gasp so it's like it's just, it's so, I I read this and it was so fucking depressing. Like, yeah. I found it just so sad that there are people who believe this. And, you know, and then you have these, you know, what really pisses me off about all of this is that occasionally you'll have these people who, like, have managed to make money via Fiverr or Upwork or, you know, some other, like, get you know, independent contractor model. And then they write these fucking medium posts about how, like, I made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars last year just on Fiverr. And like that, it's a lottery. Like there are people who do that, but it's a complete lottery. And because so many of these systems are based on ratings, all you need, like you get one bad rating from some fucking asshole and it tanks your independent contractor career. It's it's and and that's that's it's grim. Yeah. And 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 that's a really generous because i think a lot of those stories about like i this this teenager made five hundred thousand dollars by you know using uber eats like are are just not true i i just like i don't Mm. i just don't believe them on their face Mm. uh um you know they they just like i think i I think they're they're in almost entirely inventions of of uh of of a the PR wing of those companies, but the the thing that uh, uh, really just kind of dri- drives me nuts is that now we're going to be dealing with like this whole new breed, essentially, or like this whole new generation of of uh, uh, of of woke PR weirdos that are actual they're Republicans, like the, yeah. the, like this person. Uh, uh, I you know, you look at her Twitter. Patrice Lee uh, Onwuka, and she is um, a Republican. She's, yeah. a co- she's a contributor to Newsmax. She's a black woman Republican. And like, no, this whole independent women, the, this independent women's forum is just a bunch of like conservatives. <laughs> yeah, it's a conservative institution. Yeah, well, and, and so it's going to take 
liberals like another like five years to like internalize that and like figure out that they can't just like listen to the first I, I, the first black person they hear like this I, you can leave this in you can actually leave this in because it's it's a problem that like there's like these really unthinking white liberals that will just like believe like like really do you know clapping hands emoji believe all like like you're, you're like a black leader or something just completely like not taking them as full people right he's ultimately this is race it's a racist thing to do is just like say like oh this this black woman is magical and understands like things that i must not understand because she's magical and then like they just and then they just like believe a bunch of shit that they wouldn't otherwise believe it's it's really disturbing yeah, I mean, the right's been weaponizing this mode of identity politics for like a solid decade, yeah. if not more now, and it's working really, really well for them. Um, yeah. And I mean, like you'll you already see these talking points. From, it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll already see these talking points coming from liberals that like, well, yeah. you know, gig work is actually really good for women and caretakers. Um, yeah. And so, so, so the, these success stories that drive the whole narrative, right? It's sort of like those minute long ads. I don't know if you guys get this, uh, if you're, if you got himbo targeted, uh, YouTube ads, but I get like this one where this dude who's like ridiculously cut, like maybe like 1% body fat. And he's like, you know how I stay fit all the time? Like, have you been on the treadmill for hours making no, uh, benefits or no gains? Well, that's because that's never worked and blah, blah, blah. Like, let me tell you about like this way that you can just eat whatever you want and do these simple things. All you have to be paying attention is to this type of quiz and click on the link and blah, blah, blah. It's like the equivalent of that kind of shit. And I just can't wait for the next like galaxy brain article to come out of these right wing think tanks. That's going to be something along the lines of like the gig economy doesn't need to unionize. It needs to militiaize. Like, you know, what, you're going to take the meager wages that you have and pay some, like, union dues so that maybe someday you can get some concessions from your corporate overlords? No, just get guns. Just get guns. Just get a just 3D get- printer and print your own guns. And <laughs> no, by the way, yeah. Biden wants to take your three, Biden wants to take 3D <laughs> take printed 3D guns, guns from gig away. workers, from women, yeah. from pregnant women gig workers. And I just think that's fucked up. Yeah, but, but when they finally do that, it'll suddenly be, like, accidentally based. <laughs> <laughs> More like, yeah. women Uber drivers with 3D printed guns. Yeah. like, But, uh, but actually, yeah, it's that. Because, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, what's the alternative other than, like, peaceful collective bargaining to, like, try and win concessions from these, like, vampiric... Uh, you know, capitalist overlord companies, which are two part uh, programs. One is like a way for the ruling class to like park its money in something that even though it doesn't make a profit is like somehow increasing in value, uh, you know, in terms of stock prices. And then the second thing, the whole business model is breaking the law. Like the entire business model is a criminal organization. (laughs) Like, you know, and it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Speaking of breaking the law. And speaking of unions, um, <laughs> but this time not in such a good way. Um, so this story just came out in the Boston Globe, and it had been reported on a little bit uh, earlier this year and last year, but this was the first that I had heard about it, which is basically this. The Boston police 
So here's the headline. For years, the Boston police kept a secret. The union president was an alleged child molester. So um, maybe I should have in, uh, included a trigger warning for that. But uh, we're going to be talking non-specifically about a cop who uh, has been accused of uh, ser- like repeated Pull- pedophilia. Call, we'll call it pulling a Matt Gate Gates. I think Oof. it's Gets. Gets pulling a Matt. I think it's Gets. Yeah. No, I was I was wrong. It is it is Gates. All right, carry on pulling a Matt Gates. Oh, interesting. Uh, except worse because like these were young young kids. Like so. Oof. It's it's this is like a really tough tough story, and I don't know how, like how in depth we want to get into it. But essentially, this cop uh, in 1995. Um, the Boston Police Department itself filed a criminal complaint against their own cop because um, he had been accused of a sexual assault against a 12-year-old child. Um, And after the complaint was dropped, they also carried on an internal investigation that concluded that he likely committed the crime. And despite that, Rose kept his badge, remained on patrol for another 21 years, and then um, became eventually union president president of the Police Benevolent Association for the Boston Police. Holy shit! Yeah, and and it says that this cop actually worked on child molestation cases. Yeah, so like even more so than the fact that they kept him as like a beat cop, he was sent to investigate like domestic incidents uh, incidents of. Uh, children being assaulted oh fucking shit yeah um so it recently came out like one girl said that she had been repeatedly molested between the ages of seven and 12 by uh patrick m rose senior this is the the cop that did this and then five more people since have come forward accusing him of molesting them as children over the span of three decades you know, it, I, I don't think it is a coincidence. You know, like, people will point to the fact that, like, uh, uh, violent crime uh, goes down as the amount of, pol- like, the sheer amount of police go goes up, right, in the 90s. Um, but I think it's just because all of those people became cops. Like, everyone that did violent crime just became a cop, where it's legal to do that. Like, I think a lot of them did that. Yeah. Is it, it's, it's an, it's the, the, it's just a numbers game of how many despicable, disgusting people turned in, like, found a home in police departments. Where, and, I mean, where, where this sort of behavior is, if not, like, uh, supported, at least defended materially and, defended, yeah. and legally. And so, it's also the fact that, like, any abuser wants power. Like, that's often what the abuse is about, is about wielding mm-hmm. power over someone. And what better institution to insert yourself into if you want to wield power over the disenfranchised, uh, become a cop. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And and this is, like, the whole thing about cops, right? Is, like, at, at root, they are a violent gang. And they back each other up. And they have essential complete immunity from uh, any of their repercussions of their actions as like an institutional foundational fact. Like, and the idea of reforming police, if you're going to be a liberal incrementalist on this, you have to grapple with that. You have to grapple with the extreme scale of reform that would be required 
to change what the police fundamentally are. And like the levels of reform that you would need to, you know, put in, in my opinion, is like a wholesale firing of every fucking cop, like new cops from the jump. Like you can maybe keep some forensic experts. You can maybe keep some like hostage negotiator type of things, like some special specialists. But otherwise, we have to make it a lottery thing. It cannot be a self-selected institution of people who want this type of position in society. It can't be something that maybe is a complete career for its entire life. Like maybe it's something that you rotate through. Maybe it's like for three or four years, you're a beat cop. And then you do something else. It's like being president. The The only person who successfully becomes president is a fucking psychopath. Like, same with cops. Yeah. If you want to be in that position, then there's something wrong with you. And and the idea of just keeping it from being a cultural us versus them thing. Like, what's foundational about that is you eliminate the identity of the blue life. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a blue life. But every cop thinks they're a blue life. And that's fucked up. And the way you get around that is you reform the institution so it's completely unrecognizable. If you believe that policing is something that we need in society, then what you do is you solve that need by getting people to who are regular everyday people to do that job with some training and then come out of that job. So there, there isn't this like civilian wartime organization that sees itself in martial combat with the citizenry around it and puts up like uh barriers to protect their own when they fuck up or is able to like on the low be involved in organized crime it's like all of the fundamental corrupt fucked up shit that you'd need to over overcome to have a reformed police that's like you know actually serving the interests of society is you can't do it without completely overturning the culture and like we're not ready for that we're not ready for like that would be in my opinion a form of police abolition right like because i see the police as what they are this violent unaccountable gang of which every local city council and mayor is scared shitless of and is (laughs) like that needs to be abolished and so you know like it's not going to be for more training. It's not going to be for more money. It's not going to be for more transfer of militarized tech. It's going to be from a root and stem replacement of that institution with something that fundamentally is a different structure, serves a different purpose. And like, you know, I don't know. It would be great if all of the liberals that are like, no, we actually need cops and like, you know, abolish the police or defund the police. What it really means is this, blah, blah, blah. If they were to wrap their minds around the totality of what is required to make the police a moral institution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it is like, uh, I, I think at root there, the, what you're talking about, Chris is like, like when liberals are like, well, you need, you know, there's only a few bad apples and stuff. You know, it's like really, I, I think ultimately when they say that they're thinking about like their cop nephew or like, or, or like the one time that they got bad service at, at, uh, uh, at Olive Garden and called the cops uh, on on their server, and they were able to you know deal with the situation professionally or something <laughs> you know, like that's uh, I, I th- that's you know like you got to get that shit out because ultimately like I think the other much more hidden part of police violence is the or not hidden but like it's just like a little less overt 
is the um is the idea that like the cops are the managers of society and that you mm-hmm. can and like and when you are displeased with society you can call the manager which is a police officer and they will yell and threaten anyone that you think did something wrong in society right yeah like these freaks yeah. who call the cops because like their neighbor's trash was left out a yeah. day late or like the kids down the down the block like you know uh play play dodgeball too loudly yeah yeah it's it's the same impulse it's like they're they're not an employee of someone that i can like go to and be like look at what your stupid employee did so i have to go like go there's got to be someone else around there that has that kind of power and it's usually the police some things that uh uh will piss you off about uh uh about rose the uh the pedophile there are a uh, lot of fucked up police, things in this article. Yeah. yeah. But just some things that, that will just like in general piss you off about police officers. Uh, he won 80% of the vote in his uh, uh, election. Um, again, remember, the police found that the evidence against him was credible, right? Uh, 80% yeah. win. Um he retired in 2018 and collects an annual pension of just under $78,000 a year. More than I will ever make yeah, in my life. I've never made $78,000 a year. Far more, yeah, than I will ever make. My God. I don't think our household has ever made that much, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. The, uh, the, the 12-year-old boy who came forward with his allegations in 1995. Um, He was, he recanted the accusation under pressure from Rose. And last year, that boy brought his own daughter in to make the same allegation against the cop who abused him 25 years earlier. Wait, the same cop abused his daughter? Yeah. How did he get even within 10 fucking feet of her? It doesn't go into, I assume, to protect, like, the identities and the sensitivity of the case and also the fact that it's going to trial. They don't get into uh, the specifics of it. But But that um, is an excellent question. So, like, here are a couple of other things. So, uh, Boston police dispatched Rose in 1999 to help a 14-year-old girl who was crying at a payphone calling to report that she had been raped. Um. Rose also gave a special needs child a ride home in his squad car. And uh, in 2006, records show he was called to testify at the, as the arresting officer in a child sexual assault case. So, you know, it's not how do you say, like, how did this cop get access to these kids? Cops get access to everyone, who, everyone yeah. at any point, at any on any given day. A cop is alone with a vulnerable person. I've been alone. I was alone with a cop when I was like 15 because I got in trouble for smoking pot. Like all kinds of young people are, you know, exposed to cops and alone with them all the time. So he is facing 33 counts of sexual abuse of six victims from age 7 to 16 and is being held in the Berkshire County Jail on a $200,000 cash bail. I bet the union posts it. The union could totally post the 200k bail easily. Yeah, this is the Boston Police Department. Yeah, absolutely. The, the oldest, oldest police, police department, department in the country. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, it's the second oldest, Albany. Oh, I didn't. 
know that. Wow, yeah, that's wild. Albany's second oldest police department behind Boston. Yeah, two two big places for uh, slave catching. Uh, yeah the or, the origin of the Boston Police Department was hiring a bunch of Irish immigrants to catch a bunch of escaped sp- slaves. So. Next time some fucking Irish person, such as myself, tells you, oh, we were oppressed. We used to be slaves. Abolish the police. Thought you were yeah. going to say the Irish, but yeah, <laughs> abolish the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Abolish oh, speaking of which, Irish fucking, identity. So, so the Ireland's been back in the news. Have you guys been uh, privy to this? Oh, yeah. The, the troubles are getting troubly. Troubling, yeah. So my brother sent me two videos, um, one of which was a loyalist youth um, being cheered on uh, by a loyalist neighborhood, um, you know, in, uh, out to go and throw some soup for their family at uh, nationalist youth. And uh, I guess they're both fighting the cops. It's really weird. They Basically, they're all dressed out in black, both sides, and they're engaging in like fireworks and, you know, melee combat with each other and the police. So like there was the Belfast police were firebombed. Apparently like 60 of them have sustained injuries in the last week. Um, and this is all coming from essentially Brexit related, um, uh, basically like economic border without a actual hard border yeah. happening. So the fishermen can't, you know, uh, fish in one of the seas and essentially what's looking like it's going to happen is that Ireland is going to get united, uh, much to the chagrin of all the loyalists, but it seems to just be something that like may have gotten away from them um, in terms of like the political situation. But that is from watching like four or five, uh, you know, uh, Twitter threads. And please, uh, our Irish listeners, uh, Owen, specifically, you've, you've written to us before. Write to us and let us know. Yeah, um, I want to know. I haven't you know, been what, following this closely on. enough. Um, um also how do they tell the difference between each other like if i was black blocked out and the people i was going to be fighting in a fist fight were also black blocked out and we were all irish <laughs> i would not <laughs> know how the fuck i the first time i get sp- downed or spun around i'm probably liable to deck a comrade like how how do they do it they're probably they chanting actually- the chanting specific things yeah um Maybe like holding, I don't know how they're dressed. Usually that would be how you would do it is like you would dress in a particular way, but. Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, the loyalists are real pissed off because um, the government hasn't been cracking down on uh, Sinn Féin, or I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, which celebrated a uh, life and passing of a, you know, IRA uh, guerrilla hero um, and like basically didn't observe social uh, distancing directives. And so the loyalists were like, hey, like, I'm telling teacher. And like, teacher was like, uh, we're not going to get involved. We don't want good another calls. Troubles. Yeah, no, yep. yeah. Yeah. it's a good idea. To- it, w- it would be hilarious if, uh, and, and uh, cosmically just, I think, if Brexit uh, resulted in a, in a United, United Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, that would kind of rule. Yeah, yeah that, that would be pretty sweet. And I'm sure like, oh, we haven't even uh, mentioned RIP to a real one, Prince Philip. Hope yeah. you rest in piss. Um, yeah. The the original Lizard King. And I think yeah. that coincided pretty closely with Margaret Thatcher's death anniversary. Mm-hmm. The day which after. is a mm-hmm. big thing for uh, the Irish, you know. So they're burning yeah. their effigies of Margaret Thatcher. Then a royal dies. And on top of all that, you have this Brexit shit. It's, you know, we're we're yeah. a fiery folk, the Irish. We... 
We love to celebrate the death of our enemies. And uh, in unironic um, RIP to a real one, um, Darkman X. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Real, that was really sad. sad. Yeah, really, really sad to see him pass so early, 50 years old yeah. uh, from a heart attack, uh, yeah. allegedly associated with um, drugs. Overdose, um, yeah. And, you know, been listening to a lot of DMX, both, um, you know, privately as well as just it's the sound that's in the streets. Yeah. Like, you know, when I'm motorcycling or walking around, uh, pretty much everyone's bumping DMX uh, this week. And, you know, my condolences go out to their family. And, uh, DMX, thanks for all the bangers. Like, that guy could make such a fucking hit with, like, the cheesiest fucking beat sounds. Like, yeah. he'd have, like, these hor- like, horns and stuff. Like, you know, I was listening to some DMX hits the other day, and I was like, man, this is, like, how do you without do that? all the... Yeah, we, like, it's the ad-libs. <laughs> you know, it's like, he, he, just, he just brought it, you know, DMX, you know, he's going to bring it to you. And uh, X gonna give it to you. Yeah, yeah. The my the first crush that I ever remember having was a boy named Teddy, and he looked so much like DMX, and I just was like head over heels for him, and I like did not even exist to him. He did not have the time of day for me. But with the passing of DMX, I thought of Teddy. Uh, I don't remember the names of a lot of my old crushes, but I do remember him. He was cute. So. R.I.P. Very sad. Yeah. I guess I'll so, just acknowledge uh, the bird sounds that you may have been hearing throughout this episode, yeah. listener. David. Uh, it's really great. David has I his window open. The window open. I told him in the beginning, I was like, can you. Can, but he looked so sad. And I was yeah. just like, no, just keep it open. It's fine. We'll just have Birds. bird noises. Birds. This is uh, a lo-fi, um, you know, uh, chill iron weeds to you know relax slash study slash uh, sleep to <laughs> i hope that our listeners sleep to us because otherwise they're listening to us and that that's not any good do not perceive me so nothing else to say about this cop case i guess we should move on to oh we do have this washington park thing do you want to tell us about this david get a little uh, local news in yeah sure we'll, we'll put a little local news in here so um uh, uh, if you don't live around here, th- we have this thing called Washington Park. It's a one point acre, uh, one point eight, sorry, acre um, square of land that is uh, the one of only two private parks in New York State. the The other one is much is the much more well known Gramercy Park in New York City, but uh, Washington Park is it's it's a fairly nice like. Uh, um, you know, just like very flat, uh, piece of green land with some uh, nice old growth trees, and you know, like there's like a, like a, a couple of, uh, benches, like benches and, stuff and out shit. There. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all right. It could be it could be nicer. I could do I could do wonders with that part, but yes, it, that, it, yeah, it, but um, you know, like they they could use a landscape architect maybe to you know give it some life, but uh, otherwise, you know, it's a, it's a fairly nice park, and and the well, the whole neighborhood sort of has a history of being like the the posh part of Troy, yeah, like originally oh, yeah. built, oh yeah, for the the wealthy, the wealthy. Uh, bankers that um that would walk to work downtown. It's a very short at the walk time when Troy was like w- the seventh richest city in the country. Yeah. So yeah, I think like, we topped was... out at the third 
actually. We did like, top out at the third, yeah. So like it's it would have been like the rich person rich person's park. Yeah. Have you and, ever and been inside have you ever been inside of some of the homes around there? They're like palatial. Yeah. It's we almost crazy. rented a basement apartment in one I think when we first moved to Troy. Yeah, when we very but, first moved in here, I, I looked yeah. at a basement apartment on the north side of Washington Park and it was like flooded. It's <laughs> yeah. like we're we're working on this. But that's actually a good point. So like when I was looking at that that apartment, that was in like 2010, which is probably like the nadir, like the lowest point of Washington Park. So there's some there's some history of of that region, right? So uh from this Times Union article Washington Park began in the 1840s as part of a real estate development, bringing Troy's business leaders at a time, uh, bringing together Troy's business leaders at a time when the city was emerging as one of the nation's wealthiest commercial industrial centers. When it was envisioned, the development was outside the downtown core, but still only a short walk away from the commercial center. And then, uh, uh, you know, like they, they would build, it built like mansions, right, on there until. And this, this ties back to what we were just talking about. The damn Irish build a Catholic church on the hey, north. Hey, whoa. Uh, on I'm allowed to say corner. that. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> on the northeast corner of, of, of Washington Park. And it was like a very um, uh, social. There's, a, there's a, a plaque that you can read about this. A very uh, uh, socially active uh, um, priest that was like running. That was like leading the... the um, uh, fundraiser like the kickstarter the the mm -hmm. 19th century kickstarter to uh to build that that church so um so so land prices go down uh, after that church is built um it, it's been home to like uh it had a funeral parlor there for a while uh there was a covenant uh the italian community center was there for a little while um and it uh uh but it, it's it's gone up and down in in terms of like uh uh uh, like repair and it, and it reached its low point back w about when I was looking at apartments there where the whole south side of the square is, is um, a, uh, a very early use of um, this building construction technique where uh, that's very prominent today where you take one enormous building and you make it look like several different buildings by changing the facade. The whole south a uh, uh, block of Washington Square Park is actually one big building that's been uh, that each facade is done up a little bit differently, so it looks like different buildings. Mm. But um, uh, that was uh, like almost condemned. The, the whole that whole South End was was about to was about to fall apart until um, Lynn Kopka, uh, a, um, a like the thirty year. So it's multiple decades. Twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty year long um, president of the uh, of the association, the Washington Park Association, uh, um, secured a ninety thousand dollar loan to keep up the facade of that of that uh, portion of Washington Park, and um, or at least the the apartments around Washington Park, and it has since like gone up in in value again uh, uh, in. Uh, 2019 one washington place a it like one of the nicest parts of washington park sold for over a million dollars whoa um, yeah so it's a uh, it, it's really gone way back up and now since uh they've um uh 
I, 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 my read on it, this is not from the Times Union article, but my read on it is now that it seems pretty secure in its like rehabilitation. The, mm-hmm. the Washington Park Association is now turning into a homeowners association, which is a very different legal entity. Huh. It's a 501c. I don't remember what number. So, you know, like your usual nonprofit is a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Homeowners associations, I think might be a four or something, but it's a, it's a different kind of um, nonprofit organization that, um, that does several things. One thing, that's important to know about a, about a HOA is that they get higher up more privileged status and bankruptcy and foreclosure proceedings. So if, huh. if you, for example, you know, bought it on a balloon loan, you know, or something, you know, something, uh, uh, where like, you know, the economy goes to shit, like it did in 2008, like the homeowners association would have a better position to, uh, uh, in your bankruptcy proceeding to take more money from you. So interesting, um, yeah, and it it just does other other ways. It has other ways of uh, collecting uh, money for upkeep of of shared property. So, um, so that that's what they're they're converting into. Lynn Kopka, mm-hmm. the twenty year uh, organizer, stepped down, and someone else is going to take the take her place. But um, you know, it's it, it's just interesting that you know the, this this part of Troy that is is like objectively beautiful like every single way that you could measure i think um like the classic beauty of like victorian era architecture like it has pretty much everything it's It's, absolutely gorgeous cobblestone streets and like you know the facades are beautiful it is a very very iron works really good iron work is nice yeah it's got a, a part with a fence but a very nice fence and, and so I also they, just want to throw out real quick that it's like the mm-hmm. only park. So just a few blocks past Washington Park, it starts to become more of a working class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. is no green space anywhere else that go that runs south of Washington Park. Like this is the closest park yeah. to any working people who live in South Troy. Yeah, there's like. A maybe there's one very small part yeah, yeah, one that's like very not funded like, yeah. you know it doesn't not have very many amenities at all so uh, anyway i'm sorry what? david i interrupted you no it's fine uh, uh, chris what were you gonna say oh it's a, i was gonna say i had something had come up through the grapevine that like lynn kopka was under investigation for like tax evasion via <laughs> potentially yeah. like paying off um, the assessor to like under assess the property values uh, over there. Cause like the idea of one of those buildings going for like, say uh, over a million dollars, like that's how you could tax the rich in Troy. Right. Like that's how you could actually do it is if you had the assessed value of these properties be somewhat tied to their actual market value. Yeah. Uh, but I remember there was a big stink when they increased the assessment by only like a little, but still way, way below market value. Yeah. So there's a bunch of really, uh, CD stuff going on with Washington Park that um, I, I would have to reread a bunch of stuff to really do it justice. But there's, the the broad strokes are are yeah, you're right, Chris. Like there's some assessment things that don't seem to add up. And then I should also say, Lynn Kopka for a time was the um, city council rep for this district mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. for a little while, um, probably to secure oh. to secure some stuff like uh, for yeah. Washington Square Park. But the, um, also a hero for uh, uh, catching, spaying, and releasing 
lots and lots of wild uh, feral cats. Yes, yeah, she's really <laughs> so, that was a good on that. Salib for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, but the other thing is that you know, for a really long time, because Washington Park is a private park, you have to pay taxes on it. But um, gosh, gee willikers, no one really kept track of like, well, who is responsible for those taxes? Like, what is the organization that should be collecting money to then pay those taxes? So it was like some ungot, like, like generations of back taxes on this park that have not been paid, uh, that no one can like quite dig up the paperwork to figure out who's responsible for that. Like that's, you know, there's stuff, so there's stuff like that around Washington park. That's also extremely suspect that uh, would be worth like maybe like a bonus episode deep dive if I ever found the time, but it's um, uh, Washington park is a very interesting piece of uh, not only not just Troy history, but I think New York state history because It is a um, one. It is a private park, which was at the time that it and Gramercy Park, the other private park in New York City, were built. It was a it was an experiment in, during the like the city beautiful movement to like figure out how can you build cities so that you know the poor are close enough that they can do things for you, but you can keep them out but out of sight. Yeah, yeah. But you can keep them out of sight of all the nice shit that you have. So it's um. It was a very early attempt at that as like a real estate venture to to build these uh, gated um, urban amenities that um, they pretty much always failed, mostly for for technical reasons that today we are are not a problem. Uh, so uh, uh, sorry to everyone who I, we heard in the Discord that like a lot of people are haunted by my subscription city essay because now you see it everywhere, <laughs> and this is um th- this is. I mean, this was like a, a version 1.0 of that, right? This is a beta mm-hmm. test of that is to try to figure out how can you have put up gates in such a way that, um, you know, you, you can have your cake and eat it too, where like, you know, the poor can come use the back door to serve you tea, but they can't, you they can't be in the same park as you or something like that. So, so that's Washington park. Now that everything around it has been rehabilitated, they're going to turn into an HOA so that they can, uh, go legit, collect the right taxes, and uh, pro- and raise money from each other so that they can make it even nicer and uh, probably create some sort of, uh, I don't know, like, app that will allow you to access the park and no one else or something like that. Well, and they know that the <laughs> wagons have been circling around, like, expropriating that park from them for a while. That's mm-hmm. been, like, mm-hmm. a sort of pet project yeah. for folks in Troy for many years, so... Yeah, if, I'm if, sure if, that if we, this will give them more legal protections to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, if, if our current parks weren't already in such disrepair because, like, all the all of our money goes to cops instead of people that actually do stuff, uh, like and the, pilot programs. Don't forget <laughs> about that. Come on, it's not <laughs> yes, just and, cops. And pilots. Yeah, yeah, and, <sighs> and, and and property developers to build luxury apartments. Um, yeah, the uh, it it, it, it would have made sense for, you know, even someone left of center to be like, oh, maybe we should, you know, take the the all the onerous costs off of our job makers and Troy or job creators and like, let let us pay for the park or something like that. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Washington Park. 
Well, thanks for the update. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting. A little bit of a history mm-hmm. lesson. Yeah. We need we a wildflower. I don't know if yeah, we have we got... one. Uh-oh. Do we Uh-oh. have one? We could just, let's Prince see. Philip died. I mean, we could really phone it in this week. Yeah, well, I let, just let's, saw it. Yeah, let's let's I, go find some uplifting. Let, let me just say though, I I just saw um somebody post screenshots from a Reddit post about uh, Prince Philip dying, and like one of the moderators hops in to say, "Just a reminder that we don't allow the celebration of anyone's death," and then it's just screenshots of like graveyards of deleted comments deleted <laughs> by the moderators. <laughs> All right, I, I got one. I got one. Oh, okay, and, good. Uh, it, it, it ties in with my uh, my recent uh, job change. Um, yeah, I am back at Ecovative, and uh, and we are working on a mushroom bacon replacement um, as could, part could, of the could whole. You st- uh, Chris, could you actually mm-hmm? say more about what Ecovative is before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, so I have worked at this biomaterials company for. Eight years uh, from like 2009 to like 2016, I think. Um, uh, and it was like, yeah, like one month shy of like eight years of working there. And then uh, there was a, at the time, we were making protective packaging, i.e. like styrofoam replacement, uh, as well as we were going into um, particle board replacement. So basically, um, what Made we do there... Yes, yes. So what we would do there is we'd take uh, compostable materials and we would infuse it with mushroom technology, basically growing filamentous fungi through the material and then turn the material into a value add. So we'd take something that was completely compostable to begin with, you know, like ag waste, and then using the technology of filamentous fungi, bind it together in a shape and a density that served a commercial purpose. So in one case, you can imagine like, uh, a styrofoam insert for say a computer monitor like that is a one-time use of a petroleum technology that is basically not really recyclable and will end up like in our biosphere forever you know like it'll just break down into smaller and smaller and more toxic particles like for the rest of its natural life alternatively life. yeah a natural life like, <laughs> alternatively what you could do is you could do something very similar with something that just like turns into soil within months and that's what we were doing and that's still being done in California and a couple other countries. Like we've licensed that technology out. Uh, and the thing that Ecovative is currently working on is trying to replace factory farmed meat, which is part of a whole booming and growing economy of like meat replacement technology. Um, and so right now what they're trying to do is basically like grow like continuous mushroom type of material and then turn that into fake bacon. and it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, uh, a sort of no kill, uh, you know, like industrial scale uh, food production that is like vegan replacement. And it can also be made into like a leather replacement. And uh, it, like I was saying, we were originally looking into uh, a large scale up uh, for a particle board replacement, which is important because urea formaldehyde, the common um, glue that holds together the particles of particle board is a known carcinogen and also not that easily broken down by our natural uh, ecosystem. So, um, but anyway, uh, I'm back there and we're working on meat replacement. And uh, I just saw an article and this is in a Reddit uh, uplifting news, or sorry, this is in bigperspectives.com. Uh, no kill lab grown meat to go on sale for the first time. 
and it's got some delicious looking chicken nuggies. Um, and it says Singapore's chain restaurant Eat Just is selling, quote, chicken bites, unquote, where the chicken has been grown in a laboratory. This is being hailed as a landmark move in the industry that is trying to meet the demand of meat slash chicken in an ethical and environmentally friendly way. Cultured meats will soon be offered in restaurants. Um, so this is pretty wild. The idea of like cultured direct meat. This is a meat replacement that instead of trying to get vegetables to taste like meat, the idea is like you get the meat without the animal. And that's bizarre and maybe freaks out a lot of people. But like, if that meat isn't conscious, in my mind, that's like a, a win. Like you don't have to torture and enslave and then kill like millions and millions of sentient beings. Like that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. What, what, what's your guys uh, take on this? I think it's I will, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I will totally eat uh, a like, uh, I don't know, a, a, a bio protein matrix or whatever the hell you call it. <laughs> Just like, like yeah. one piece of, of flesh. Hell yeah. I would, I would eat it. Um, yeah, I have a real hard time eating um, like vegetarian meat replacements, uh, either like oftentimes because of the texture or mm-hmm. like if it's something bean based, then like a like a black bean yeah. burger, that's fine, though. It doesn't really appeal to me. I don't like it very much, but it doesn't like gross mm-hmm. me out the way that a lot of um, like text like like TVP or um, or mushroom based like mu- like I have a really hard time with mushrooms, especially. Um, like certain textured foods literally just make me like trigger a gag reflex in me. And so mm-hmm. I would definitely be down for eating some lab grown chicken, like hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, 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 I grew up on meat replacement stuff, but my <laughs> yeah. parents are pescatarians. Um, and, and so like, I, I, I barely noticed the difference between like a, uh, like a vegan hot dog and a real one. But, um, so I would, uh, but I, yeah, I would totally eat like, yeah, a, uh, a chicken. I would all, and I also want to see more bugs. David's really eating bugs. Put that out there. We should eat more bugs. Yeah. You see the, uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, meme where she's got the gun toward the screen and says, eat the bugs. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but I, I would, uh, I'll, I'll follow her on that. Journey. You're going to get this movement going. And then in 10 years, it's going to be like world's bug supply decreases by 40% because <laughs> humans can't stop eating bugs. It's going to be like quinoa all over again. Yeah. Plus um, bugs are animals, not vegan. Um, yeah, I but they don't I, have brains or anything. I mean, like, uh, I would like to hear from our vegan listeners <laughs> uh, less about bugs because you'll probably say you can't eat bugs. But I do want to hear about uh, what you think about um, growing meat that has never yeah. seen conscious life. I've already seen some vegans and vegetarians say, like, just stop eating meat. Like, we don't need to grow meat in a laboratory. Mm-hmm. We just need mm-hmm. to stop eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like like I think. I don't know very many people who aren't just like really reactionary right wingers who have this opinion, but like my favorite food is meat. Like it's my favorite food Mm -hmm. and I don't eat a ton of it. I eat meat like a few times a week. Um, I don't even eat it every day, but it is like very much my favorite food. Like I really, and I also have like ever since I was a little kid, I've had iron deficiencies. I know you can get iron in other foods, but frankly, like the best way to get iron is having a meat dense diet. Um, 
And so, like, it's very we, – David and I went vegetarian. We went pescatarian for January. And, like, it was fine. But when I was able to eat meat again in February, I was very, very, very happy. And so mm. it's hard for me. The only argument that I have for why I'm personally not a vegetarian is just purely hedonistic. Like, I don't have any – I have no moral ground to stand on. I am totally aware of that. Um, I know from a health perspective I don't need it, although I would have to take iron supplements, which make me incredibly sick. Um, so it's like really hard for me because I don't like that. I like it, but I like it, um, just with so many other things that I like that are awful for me, but I would be very interested in hearing what some vegetarians and vegans think about lab grown meat right into us. I know we got a stew. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, so some quick numbers on this, um, apparently, uh, across the globe, 130 million chickens are slaughtered every single day for human consumption. Every day? Four, yeah. Four million pigs are slaughtered every day. It is thought uh, close to about a million cows are slaughtered every day for human consumption. And like, so just to wrap your mind around the scale of this, like the activity of raising meat for the purpose of slaughter and consumption is massive. Yeah. And it has a huge environmental uh, impact. It's horrible um, for the environment. A, yeah. Yeah. Mass farming is bad for the land, bad for the soil, shocking for um, the amounts of water used, and bad for the environment as a whole. Given that most animal farming is done using chemicals and is not organic, uh, there are thir further dangers. Uh, we've talked about the use of the antibiotics that are being pumped into the uh, animals prophylactically, getting into the water supply and like yep. basically staying there. Giving us all tits. Creation. Yeah. Yep, causing the creation of superbugs. They're they're causing um, your low T your your low T count. <laughs> yeah, making and, your balls uh, smaller, <laughs> making your swimmers slower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, it's just so apparently the way that this is done, uh, this cultured meat is uh, they don't have a lot of details on it, but they say that basically uh, cells are taken from uh, fetal blood uh, tissue from like live births of animals and stuff, and then uh, grown in a large bioreactor and mixed with plant based uh, ingredients and manufactured into meat. Uh, while the process is in, in its initial stages and very costly, it will be cheaper in the long run, especially if manufactured meat uh, takes off. Um, so, yeah, I'm here for it. I think yeah. it's cool. Um, I'm interested in the environmental impact, like how much resources it requires mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. um, conventional animal husbandry. Um, yep. And one of the things that we've uh, talked about is the fake uh, milk, which is to say cultured milk where you can culture all of the proteins through genetically modified yeast, for example, and then create vegan milk that's like literally identical milk, to yeah. milk. Then you can have the, any vegan cheese you want. You can have it be stretchy. You can have it be gooey. You can have it be blue. Wow. You can have it like, and so you can take advantage of yeah. like centuries of human innovation in culinary arts by just replacing the source ingredients with an analog that doesn't involve fucking up the environment and torturing billions of creatures i think replacing like a milk replacement a really we've mo we've shifted almost entirely to oat milk which i know has canola oil and sugar in it don't come at me i know it's not good for you mm -hmm. it's fine i like it um but we have shifted away almost entirely from any kind of conventional milk products and um which is great i don't like milk i like a little cream in my tea but um i've been mm -hmm. using oat milk and it's perfect but if like to me what is as horrific, if not more so in the like animal farming industry is the way that we treat dairy cows really, mm -hmm. really fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
I think that that if but I would give up cheese before meat to be honest. Yep. Um just and based also, on my it, personal dietary preference. There's there's no uh dairy without veal. Those are tied together. Oh yeah. Because you have to keep the uh cows pregnant and half of all the cows are males and you can't have uh you know you don't Well, you wouldn't farm, have to then take you know, that child cow and put it in a box and let it sit there and like die Fair until enough. you want like to you, slaughter you, it. Yeah, like that's you, not a necessary just, part of the, the Yeah, you can just slaughter it immediately when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think that's more humane that. than letting it develop in a tiny cage yeah. where it's not allowed to move. Um yeah. yeah. You could also like look into cow abortions. I'm sure we can give cows abortions. God. The expansion of cancel culture knows no bounds. <laughs> well, then you use the, then you use the, uh, oh, what's it called? Yeah, the, yeah, the stem cells. The, the, the stem, stem cells. cells to, then you use stem cells to, yeah. to make the, 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 to make the, the lab factory meat. meat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the lab meat. I think we're on to something oh. here. It's a whole new world of eating fucking freaky, unnatural shit, and I am absolutely <laughs> here for it. I'm so excited. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, I hope everybody has a great week. Um, yeah. You know, in the, in the coming, the, I am, the weather uh, in the North uh, Hemisphere is, is getting so nice. It is so beautiful out. It's so beautiful out. I've been sitting on I hope you enjoyed this episode a... that we're going to title Cow Abortions. No, we're not. We're not titling it Cow Abortions. That's cow Abortions terrible. are delicious. We would That's need a trigger warning in the title. No. Um, I have been sitting on a bonus episode for a week that I have not edited yet, and I apologize to Chris, David, and everyone listening to this, but oh. I am I am really going to try to get it out next week. Um, I've just been crazy busy, and then I also took a little time off for my little me time this week, which was nice. Um, Hell yeah. First episode and, uh, of Reaction in the new series is out. I hope that you guys have enjoyed it if you've listened to it so far, if you haven't. Um, to be honest, like, like... All of Ironweeds is trash compared to this new <laughs> the, this new reaction series. Like, yeah. don't ever spend. We're, you're never going to hear this episode, or at least you shouldn't, because if Brittany spent time on this episode, it means she didn't spend time on this absolutely <laughs> killer series of, that you of something you've probably never heard of called. It's very uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Smedley Darlington, but uh, 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 Butler. Smedley Darlington Butler. Yeah. No, it's a yeah, it's a good series. I, I really hope people like it. Um and we were listening to a friend a friend Adam was saying how when Adam was in the Marines, Smedley Butler was like a hero that was taught to them as like part of the training curriculum, which is so crazy to me because Smedley yeah, Butler two was like this of honor. Yeah, but he was like this like virulent pacifist. like he was an extreme pacifist and like very anti um, you know, like corporate military industrial complex. So anyway, it's yeah, a, it's a really fascinating Wars a racket. Wars a racket, which I'm going to read for the uh the patrons patrons yeah. feed. So fuck yeah, which you can either go to Patreon.com/slash/reaction/podcast and get it there, or if you become a seven dollar uh, Ironweeds contributor, you get the whole thing. So put it all in you get that one. Our bonuses and the reaction bonuses. Yeah. Fuck yeah! And speaking of uh, our uh, bonus, um, I said in the, uh, the 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 group chat, what do you guys think of uh, watching Exit Wounds and doing a uh, a commentary? Yeah, I'm a, down. A, a DMX tribute. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. those are nice because they're fun to do and also less time for me to produce, which is really great. Yeah, because you can't edit it. <laughs> you can't edit it. You literally can't. 
I also am really excited to being in person again soon. Because Chris, where are I'm you so on your excited. vax journey? How close are you? Uh, I will be uh, getting the second jab on the 22nd. And so if you want to wait the full 14 days after that, you know, what are we talking? The 38th, so the 6th of um, eight of May, right? May 6th? Yeah. 7th? So... Oh, yeah, 30 I, so yeah, we yeah. are going to be in yeah. person again together very soon. And I'm yeah. very excited about it. I can't wait. And uh, if you want to be remote with us through the uh, web browser of your choosing, you can find us on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. And as always, you can write to us if you want to, if you have to, if you have feelings about lab-grown meat or uh, cow abortions or anything else, at Ironweeds Pod. At gmail.com. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace.